And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guys, gals, and non-binary pals to another episode of All the Above, a show that gives you an unstandardized take on education. I'm Jeffrey Garrett, one of your co-hosts, and I've been a middle and high school principal and a high school social studies teacher. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. I'm a high school history teacher. This is my 15th year in the classroom. And this, of course, is All the Above, a show where we tackle issues in education because mainstream media often just leaves education on the back page if they even print out their stories anymore in this day and age. Yeah. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you very much for doing that. Uh, thank you if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you're getting all the above from, please remember to uh, hit that thumbs up or that follow button if you haven't already. Jeff, what's on the agenda for today? Well, man, well, as usual, we got a good one for people. And I have to say I'm, I'm a little bit biased, hmm. but I think we have an exceptional show today. Really? We have a topic that I've been scheming and plotting to get on our <sighs> show for... Uh, plotting and scheming. What you, probably, got? what you got? Probably at least a year now. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is the principalship. We have hmm. uh, two incredible current principals who are going to be joining us. Uh, to talk through the just the really fascinating and dynamic role that is being the principal at a school site. Hmm. Um, and we're going to dig into it with them and really uncover what does it take to be an effective school leader in today's complex educational world. Huh. Sitting down with a bunch of principals. I don't know. I don't know if I want to be there for that. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you look, um, a little intimidating? A little bit. A little bit, you know. <laughs> okay. All right, folks. But first, we have our Do Now, where we take a look at recent, uh, recent headlines in education, particularly some stories that you might have missed. All right, folks. Now it's time for the Do Now. Let's take a look at some recent headlines in education. Jeff, how are we going to do the Do Now today? Well, Manuel, today uh, we got a roll call. We're going to see call. who's in the house on all the above. All right. So who we have in the house first? Well, first up, we got a couple of names I think our audience is going to recognize. We got uh, Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman, a.k.a. Aunt Becky, and one of them desperate housewives. One of them. <laughs> I don't want to Everybody so knows so Aunt Becky, so I don't, but I don't know the name of her. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. One, just one of them. She was them. one of them. Yes. She was desperate housewife, <laughs> yeah. presumably. Presumably. Um, so, yes, um, you know, I'm sure folks recognize those names being connected with this big, huge, crazy college admission scandal that's right. happening. So, you know, the, um, the FBI and federal prosecutors are now leveled criminal charges against uh, these two among 50 other uh, defendants in this case. And uh, what's interesting about this is that in a... Um, In a recent article, um, we have uh, information about how California state legislatures are taking up the cause of preventing future abuses like this. And so um, what they are considering is a bunch of reforms that would do things like uh, curb legacy admissions practices, which is giving preferential treatment to to students who are the children of alumni of universities. Um, It would also tighten oversight over the role of academic uh, of athletic coaches in the college admissions process, because you know we had folks who were on the crew team uh, <laughs> getting admitted to USC, um, and then uh, it would also put tighter regulations on these private admissions counselors, which in these cases were the folks who like you know forged documents and help people right. fake their test scores and that sort of thing. So, very interesting ideas. But yeah. Manuel, uh, tell us, tell us, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, well, this is really interesting. Um, I love it. I love the, this proposal. Um, 
However, I mean, legacy admissions have nothing to do with this college scandal. I mean, in this case, these are families with a lot of money who explicitly try to, you know, forge documents and, and finagle SAT scores and, and do all these things to get their kid in uh, because they didn't have that uh, legacy status at any of these universities, uh, as far as I know. So it's, it's interesting that the proposal includes a call to end legacy admissions in, in California. I love it because I see legacy admissions as being highly inequitable and unfair. I have so many students at my school that I teach that want to go to USC, for example, really, really bad and work really hard and get uh, great grades and, and SAT scores and all that, but it's just so difficult to get into that university and to think that there's another kid somewhere else who um, maybe isn't performing as well as my students but has that legacy connect um, you know I just find that to be highly unfair um, especially in in an era where we're we're questioning race-based admissions and allowing legacy admissions just to like quietly uh, continue so um, I'm loving the proposal um, you know as a UCLA Bruin who did not have a private college counselor your parents didn't to, just uh, you know whip out the check no nah, man I, I wish we had that kind of money. cut a hundred fifty thousand dollars get man, you in. man <laughs> and so, you know, uh, you know, I worked hard just like the overwhelming majority of students who go to that university uh, to get in fair and square. So I like that the legislature is looking at ways to, to try to make sure that this type of corruption um, isn't happening. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I agree that um, these are very interesting reforms and I think probably needed. Right. right? Um, uh, there's just something that kind of cuts to the bone about legacy admissions because, mm -hmm. you know, we live in a country with a very proud mythology about our, our meritocracy. Right. And I'm using that word mythology on purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and this is one of the just flagrant examples of how those with power and privilege are given more access, more opportunity than, than others for no reason other than they can manipulate the system right. to work to their advantage. And you have kids who are the, you know, in the case of uh, like Lori Laughlin's kids, who's are, you know, on, on Instagram and Twitter talking about, I don't even like studying, right? Yeah. Um, right? Uh, you know, it's just such a flagrant example of how all the rhetoric used against poor folks, against people of color, about, you know, you're just getting handouts and pull on your bootstraps. Right. You have these kids who have the, the best possible bootstraps in the history of the world and Elite. still can't make it, right, on yeah. their own. Uh, it just makes clear, um, very obviously, how, how unfair the system actually is. And so, so I appreciate that. I will ask the question of you, though. Sure. Um, for folks from those private colleges who might say, hey, you know, having a connection with the university is, you know, is, is uh, important to us. We depend on alumni donations, right? Like, they make the case that it's in their interest to keep families connected to the university, and that's how they get to continue to do the good work they do in the community and that sort of thing, and the world. Um, how would you respond to that? Well, I am sure that these uh, elite private universities, uh, namely Stanford and USC, are doing such a great job with their education that um, their alumni are raising very well-educated students themselves who will be able to get into the university based off of their own academic merit and not based off of their own family name. <laughs> so I don't think those students would even need Bootstraps, the boost of the, of the legacy <laughs> name because, you know, my uh, students don't have that. And, you know, yeah. I, I just think that they if they're doing such a great job, they don't need that anyways. Yeah. And they've got, from what I could tell, uh, plenty of money because when I am driving around Los Angeles looking at all these advertisements for U USC football and seeing these sold out games and all the money, and since they're not paying their players, I'm sure that money is being used in, uh, you know, great, well-intentioned academic ways. So I think they could do without these legacy admissions and still be all right in terms of their funding. Yeah, they're, they're gonna be all right. Who we got next, Manuel? Um, next on 
our attendance roster for today is uh, Harris Cooper. Mm. Mm. Interesting. I'm sure no one knows who that is. Uh, I think our, <laughs> our very educated listeners um, are about to find out who he is if they don't already know. Okay. Uh, so Harris Cooper, a researcher from Duke University, um, he um, was the lead author on a study that concluded that homework is really doing damage to our youngest students, especially our elementary age students. Cooper compiled 120 studies in 1989 and 60 studies in 2006 to draw these findings on what impact uh, having homework had on students' overall academic achievement, academic success. And he found that although homework does have some benefits, those benefits really depend on the age of the student in question. He found that in at the elementary levels, homework is actually detrimental to their academic success. Elementary school kids studying in class get superior learning results by studying in class, not at home. Whereas in middle school, uh, there's a minimal at best relationship between homework and academic success. And in high school, there are some benefits, but only in moderation. Anything more than two hours a day or so is um, harmful to a student's overall academic success and produces diminishing returns on uh, what you're getting back from that homework. But at the elementary level, the research is, is quite clear that homework does not benefit our youngest students. And this really looks like uh, another study that, that adds to the growing uh, chorus of voices who say, assigning homework to students, especially elementary students, is just not the best practice. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, I, what stood out to me most uh, from this uh, from this article that um, uh, Harris Cooper was quoted and was uh, reported mm -hmm. in Salon.com uh, was really the, the like breadth of research that supported this, uh, this conclusion. I think many people have kind of intuitively known for a long time that homework at the elementary level uh, primarily results in temper tantrums, conflicts with parents, right? right. Uh, th things that people don't like so much. And then on the on the maybe even more ridiculous end, like parents doing the work for the right. kids, right? Uh, so there's all kinds of reasons I think that um, that anecdotally these findings resonate, right? Now that's not to say that all homework is you know is, is pure evil, right? But in general, uh, what it really supports I think is the is the more um, kind of human aspect of learning, which is uh, kids are going to do much better by doing things like reading for pleasure at home, right? right? Talking to an adult or to an older sibling about what they're reading, um, you know, doing puzzles and, and games and things that work on problem solving and logic and those kinds of things that are not what we would think of as like, you know, workbook, typical school homework right. kind of stuff, but engage kids in developing their mind in a way that is, that is based on interest and fun and joy and play. And we know that particularly for younger kids, um, that's when they develop, uh, you know, the, the kind of learning that we, that we want from them, which is how to think and how to interact with other kinds of people. And so it's funny that this, you know, it's just taken these two meta studies right. <laughs> worth of, you know, hundreds of hours of various PhD students and researchers' time and, and money and energy to tell us what we probably should have already intuitively known, yeah. which, which is like, stop giving all these first graders like tons and tons of homework, right? Yeah, yeah, stop stripping them of the, the joy that comes with from actually reading something that you're interested in and, and forcing a student to go home with some stuff that he or she doesn't want to do. And then they're fighting, like you said, bickering with their parents about getting it done so they could get onto what they want to do with their time. And um, yeah, I think this, this should be common 
sense by yeah. now, but it's it's far from that. Yeah. One thing that the the article didn't touch on, but was a, a question in my mind, um, and I, I don't have the data to back this up, but I'm just mm -hmm. telling you from my experience, I wouldn't be surprised if this were the case, that this phenomenon of uh, homework with elementary school kids is very prevalent in low-income uh, schools and in communities serving students of color. Mm. And there's a much more like wealthier demographic in this country where the parents have organized and pushed back against homework for younger students, in right. particular, particularly the early elementary grades. And I haven't seen as much organizing in that way in, in communities of color. And so I, I worry a bit because one of the findings here was about um, kids who, elementary kids who get homework, developing negative attitudes about school. And I would imagine, along with that, developing negative conceptions of themselves oh, as yeah. students, right? And are we, um, you know, I'm not saying this is a grand conspiracy, but is one of the byproducts of this reality that we are uh, further discouraging engagement in school from students who are already the most marginalized and, and at yeah. risk in our larger system? I mean, I'm sure our, our listeners who are elementary educators um, could tell you that they've had third or fourth or fifth graders who already just see school as just the worst thing, who've already been beaten down by the system. And part of that is, you know, this draconian, these draconian ho homework policies that still exist in some classrooms across the country. So, yeah, we've definitely got to do better. Draconian. draconian. Good vocabulary on all of I mean, I try. Today. I try. <laughs> all right, folks. So up next is our seminar segment, which is Be About the Principalship. I'm actually not going to be in attendance for that segment, not because I have a problem with principals. Um, they're okay or whatever. But, okay um, or um, whatever. Okay. Or, yeah, I see whatever. how it is. But uh, <laughs> our show is going to be in good hands. Jeff is going to hold it down for us. All right, so stay tuned for that. When I say school principal, what image comes into your mind? Do you envision a tyrannical authority figure handing down punishments from the big office like Ed Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Do you envision the aloof bureaucrat like Principal Skinner from The Simpsons? Or maybe you think more of the Joe Clark type from Lean On Me, the defiant pioneer battling against the odds. Or perhaps you imagine Jefferson Pierce from Black Lightning, literal superhero fighting to save the day. Well, no matter where you fall, when I bring up the role of principal, a powerful image comes to mind for most people, and it should, frankly. Being a school principal is by any measure one of the most complex and challenging jobs around. And being a principal in an underserved community makes the job all the more complicated. We live in an era when we are attempting to do something we've never attempted before, ensuring that all our students not just the honors kids or the AP kids, are college and career ready. And that easy little project is just one of the laundry list of responsibilities on a principal's plate. So for reference, here's a quick, not even close to complete list so you get a sense of what I'm saying. Principals are in charge of the instructional program, professional development, the main office, the parent center, the budget, managing the facility, overseeing construction, campus safety, fire drill, hiring, onboarding of new staff, evaluation, payroll, parent engagement, athletics, after school programming, breakfast, lunch, the nurse's office, 
if you're lucky enough to have one. The makeshift nurse's office that becomes your office when you don't. Campus supervision, suspension hearings, managing assistant principals, keeping the superintendent happy, state accountability, local accountability, student recruitment, social media, and the website. Whew, I could go on folks. That list was just getting started. But I think you get the point. With all that's on their plate, it's no wonder that principals are so important to the success of any school. There's a whole body of research that has shown over the years that having an effective leader is second only to the quality of classroom teaching when it comes to determining student outcomes in a school. And I would argue that there is no single factor that is more important in a school than having effective leadership. Without it, teachers can't thrive in their role systems erode or grind to a halt, and everyone in the school has their talent stifled. Now, you might be thinking, and rightly so, with all that responsibility, have we turned the principalship into an impossible job, or one where only the people crazy enough to stick around will keep doing it for any length of time? And you are right to ask that question. Nationally, principal turnover is a huge problem facing districts. While the numbers vary, depending on the context, between 20 and 30% of principals leave their school each year. That is crazy. I'll be the first to tell you that despite that sobering data, all hope is not lost though. The principalship is also an incredible job. The connections you make with students, families, and teachers make it like no other position in our field. The feeling you get when you shake kids' hands at graduation and sign their diploma is like nothing that I've experienced in my career. So in this complex educational landscape, what does it take to be an effective school leader today? All right, folks, welcome to today's seminar. I am super excited to have you today, and I am super excited to have these two amazing guests with me. Um, and I have to let you know, I'm a little bit biased because I have been plotting on how to get this topic on our show for about the last year and a half, and it's finally here today, and I could not be more happy. Uh, but we're going to talk about the principalship today, and I have two incredible principals with me. Um, immediately to my left is uh, Susana Ansley Gutierrez. Susana is the proud principal of the Santee Education Complex in South Los Angeles. Um, Susana has uh, been an administrator uh, at the elementary, middle, and high school level. Um, she has had a 17-year career in education, um, and she's been serving the students and families uh, of Los Angeles uh, throughout that time. Um, Susana is also um, part of the Partnership for LA Schools Network, so she's been working to, to help transform schools and uh, serve some of the, the highest-need communities in LA. She's also the proud mother of two five-year-old twins who are now in kindergarten. Yeah. So welcome, Susana. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, and su to Susana's left, we have uh, Eamon Ra. Eamon is the uh, proud principal of University Pathways Public Service Academy, which is also known as the U. Uh, the U is, in, uh, is a new high school. Um, it is currently serving ninth and 10th grade students uh, in Watts. Um, Eamon has spent uh, 13 years working in education. Um, he has worked at schools uh, in and around Watson, South Los Angeles throughout that time. Um, he began his career as a teaching assistant and now, of course, as a principal, so he's had a lot of perspective on the system. Um, he was born and raised in Compton, 
proud graduate of Cal State Dominguez Hills. Yes, sir. Uh, and welcome, Eamon Ra, to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So uh, so we're going to dig in. The, uh, the principalship, I think, is a, a topic that um, I'm super excited to talk about because uh, I think everybody has, like, memories of, you know, of what the principal was and who the principal was in their school, and they can vary a lot. It can be like the person yeah. in a suit in the office that no one talked to. Um, it can be someone who they found really inspiring. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but principals are, are just so important in the life and the functioning of a school. And so I would love to start off with, uh, with throwing out the question, what does effective leadership in this day and age, uh, this day and age uh, actually look like? Um, and maybe Susanna, we'll, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a real shift um, in how we look at principles and what we expect principles to be able to do and produce. Um, so I believe that um, years ago, you really looked for a person who really understood operations, facilities, mm -hmm. really could build systems, right? And now a principal has to have a really deep knowledge of instruction and curriculum, um, really needs to understand how to professionally develop um, the educators on their campus. Um, and then aside from that, really being able to build um, equity at a school, really understanding social justice and how to develop a positive environment and culture for everyone within the school community. So I think in that way, there's been a really huge change in what is expected of a principal. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. I agree with all, the, all of that. Um, I also feel a leader needs to be a game changer, uh, especially in today's day and age with social media, with mm -hmm. currently our political climate. I think having an understanding of a, of a vision and the principal sheet being somewhat of an entrepreneur type of position now in the way things have changed, uh, you must also be self-aware. I think that's really important for principals in today's uh, age is really be self-aware of your strengths and your areas of weakness and leverage, <laughs> no leverage your strengths. And if you're going to grow, supplement it until you grow in that area for the areas of uh, your areas of growth. So I really think that you really must have a set vision and be able to be diplomatic too, because the principal seat is a very diplomatic position. You have to be savvy with with your vision. Give, don't take, take, and then give. And it's just like it's just a really it's a balancing act in today's age. So I think you really have to be someone who's willing to push to the edge when it comes to being innovative, creative, and have a mindset that's geared or, that's geared or focused on student achievement. Uh, I think sometimes you can get, or the traditional can get so set in operations and systems of operations where like you really need to focus on like creating creativity for student achievement right now, which is, which is very important for our day and age. Yeah. So I'm listening to you both talk and, uh, you know, as a, as a former principal, I can relate to everything I think that you just said, but I also want to sort of like read back what I heard you say. And, and so I heard, you know, uh, operational understandings, instructional leadership, knowledge of curriculum, uh, game changer, visionary, good with relationships, mm. uh, you know, kind of like what every person and constituency needs. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I had to ask myself, like, is that sounds like a hero, uh, a superhero mm -hmm, who's mm -hmm. good at everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 
I think on some level there's maybe some truth to that, but on another level, like, is that, you know, have we created an impossible job for mm -hmm. people? Um, how, like, how do, you, how do you manage the work of needing to be, you know, sort of expert at everything and good at everything in this, in this superhero job that you have? I think one thing that you mentioned is really being reflective mm -hmm. um, and really believing in the power of lifelong learning, you know, and always pursuing um, being innovative, learning something new, looking at the research. But I think most importantly, a principal can't do things by themselves. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. you have to depend on your team and you have to build leadership um, within your school. And so a big part of what your position is as a leader on a school community is just um, how are you supporting and developing the people around you, the educators in your building, and how are you distributing that leadership in order to be able to be focused mm -hmm. on student achievement? Uh, yeah, to, to piggyback off of that, I think it's a superhero role in education for principals, teachers, yes. campus aides, security. Like, <laughs> and I feel like in the, sitting in the principal's seat, you are the facilitator of superhero strengths across the board. Everybody's role is pivotal to the success of our, ch our children. So when we think of sitting in this seat, it's like, you know, I am thinking of it like the, the league of incredible superheroes or the X-Men. Everybody has a, a power that is needed at specific times for the better of all our children, for the betterment of the community, for the betterment of the school. So. It's just a facilitation of all these powers, and uh, it's fascinating when you see it, it when it's clicking, and, and, and it's, it's just phenomenal to see. And I think that is the balance when, because sitting in the seat, you can get a lot of conflict, you have to put out a lot of fires, but when you see when it when that light goes on, when you see everyone moving in the same direction, and it's like cohesive, and it's like oh, it's that's our that's my currency. Like that's the currency that uh, I feel that principals get when you see it work. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's how you yeah. that's how you keep sanity. <laughs> this is what principals talk about. Is keeping yeah. sanity, folks. Um, so what do principals need in in the context of you know having a job that is uh, you know it's very complex? Uh, what do principals need? from districts and what do principals need from the, the school community in order to, to be successful? Well, I start off, uh, I feel starting off with the community. I start off with principals need community members, community advocates, parents, stakeholders to first be present. I, I think that's very important to believe in the school's vision and to have that voice and be engaged. Uh, I, I think like that marriage of the two, community and school, and having a true community school is so vital for our kids that attend that school. Mm -hmm. So like that presence is so important. Challenging systems from, from the community, challenging the vision, challenging it each year will just push the school to be better. So I definitely feel like from a community perspective, principals need that. We need to be challenged, we need to, um, have that challenge so we can say like this is the right thing or you know what we need to fix something so we can move forward. From the district I would say we need a differentiated type of support system because not all schools need the same thing. I understand that the, the, the funding formula in many districts or many schools across the nation has these formulas but I, I really think that uh, schools need to have more autonomy and more power to do the things that they need and districts should back that. 
I, I really feel like that could really be a game changer for schools, uh, for student achievement. I think those things are really vital to a, uh, a principal's success and a, a student success at that school. And lastly, uh, I feel teachers in administration and principals need to have a true uh, foundation of relationship, of, of understanding, of empathy for each other. Uh, I think the more you are outside of the classroom, you can kind of get disconnected. And I think teachers cannot understand the principal role. And I think that like line of communication, so I'll say relationships and communication among teachers is so huge and vital to the success of the school as well. Yeah, I, mean, I completely agree. I feel like, you know, we always say it takes a village to raise a child. I really believe that. I believe that if we really want to reach all of our goals and we really want to see our vision come alive, um, then you can't just put the onus on the school and you can't just put the onus on the community and you can't just put the onus on the district. You have to understand that we have to come together to really make the change that needs to occur. Um, I always tell the parents, like, I can't do this by myself. Mm -hmm. Our school cannot do this without you. We have to do this together because one person can make a change and can be powerful, but man, together we are a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely, Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that issue around community engagement, I think is, um, you know, it's, is obviously critical. Um, you know, we also work in a context where, you know, a lot of the families that we're working with maybe didn't necessarily have a positive experience in school themselves. And so the the trust may not be there between, you know, the sort of institution of school and the, the community that, um, you know, we hope in the best case scenario is being served well, right, um, by the school. But uh, what are some of the things that you've, you've done or seen um, that have helped to maybe kind of bridge some of those gaps in places where yeah. they where they exist? Well, I mean, personally, I feel that I'm blessed in the sense that I grew up in a very similar community. Um, I am a first-generation um, college student. I am a first-generation American. You know, I understand what it was like um, to grow um, in a low-income community, to uh, grow up in a system that wasn't made um, really to support my needs and, and the needs of the people that were um, going to school in that system. And so I feel like um, I really can connect to the parents and to the community, and I really do connect to the students because I see myself in them. Mm -hmm. And that, I feel, actually gives me kind of an advantage because I feel like I can really connect on a personal level um, with um, our parents and with our students in the community, and I can really understand like some of the struggles and the challenges and the reason why there is mistrust. And then I can really speak to how, you know, uh, what my belief systems are and how I want to work alongside them to make the change that needs to occur. Nice, nice. Uh, similar, born and raised from a similar community in which my, my school is located. Watts and Compton is like pretty sister cities when it comes to just experiences. My, my experience growing up and, and I came from a family of educators. My father was a professor for 34 years at Long Beach State Compton Community College. He was a councilman. I was the youngest and still um, influences can impact your life. I, I found myself doing things that I probably shouldn't have done. Uh, I, I say that to say I, I walked the experience. I still have friends that's walking through the experience of 
uh, a system that is not suited for black and brown people to really find it the easiest way. It's like we're working against a handicap when it comes to the comparison from our, our, our peers. So looking at what is needed for school, I, I know firsthand because I have those who are uh, older who's experiencing it and now I can see what is needed for a school to really like flourish and connect to that child. Uh, I just know my experience in schools. I didn't, I didn't always have the relevance of it. I didn't understand where, where I was going when I went through public education. I just was like, well, all right, I just know I have to go through it. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't see people like me and things I wanted to do. And I, I fell into the stereotype of rapper and play football. And those were the two things I tried to do. I tried to rap, tried to play football, and I was very unsuccessful at it. But uh, I, I understand, like, you know what, we need to spread these breadcrumbs around for these different pathways for our kids. And in order to do that, we need community support. We need district support. We need not just the local people that we could touch, but people nationwide that are black and brown people that are doing successful things that come from similar backgrounds to say, hey, like, let me show you the breadcrumbs over here on how you can follow to follow uh, my footsteps to do this and to be this and to come back to the communities and show others the way as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think we've, we've touched on kind of the like district principle, uh, you know, school community principle dynamics um, and relationship. I also want to um, expand that to also talk about the, the teacher principal relationship. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, unfortunately, we're we're not uh, joined today by um, our, our co-host, Manuel Rustin, who's uh, is with his ailing mm -hmm. father today. So we're sending our, our love to uh, Manuel and his family. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but I think, you know, the, the, the bread and butter of any school, right, is classroom teaching. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And principals have such uh, an ability to impact the, uh, the teacher's ability to either flourish and, and to do great things or feel stifled and feel like, you know, I, I'm just going to be here and pass my time. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so from your perspective, what, is, what do you know, teachers need from principals and what do principals need from teachers in order to make this, this institution we call school function the way it's supposed to function? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had quite a bit of amazing mentors along the way, and something that I was always taught um, was to remove all the barriers and challenges that you can possibly remove for the teachers in the classroom, because that is the number one most important position in a building. Um, and um, I think that, you know, making sure that teachers have the basic needs, all of the materials that they need, you know, whether it be markers or paper or anything that they can possibly need to teach and to be able to really focus in on instruction is like the first basic thing, right? The foundational thing. And then being able to really like show your appreciation for everything that they do. They are so absolutely so dedicated. And I don't believe that they get the respect in society that they really deserve. I mean, we have teachers who work around the clock, who are passionate, who do everything they possibly can um, for our students. And so you as a leader in the building need to really show your appreciation, um, your dedication to them as well. Um, but also to be able to compensate them, compensate them for their time, build systems so that they have time to work together and plan together, um, develop systems so that they're able to share best practices, to really show their expertise, you know, utilizing their expertise and recognizing that they are experts in the field. Um, those are the first and foremost things that you should do uh, to be able to support teachers in the building. 
Absolutely, absolutely uh, similar. I mean, the, the basic necessities first. If we, I also think of it like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I know we a lot of time we talk about it with our, our children, but for our teachers as well, like they want to feel safe. Uh, they 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 need their psychological needs met. We they need their physical needs. They need all these different things met. Uh, so I know like things that we do at the U to try to make sure that we have a good relationship and. So our results as principals, we want the best for kids. We want our teachers, just a micro unit of change. So in order to really get to our students, we have to get to our teachers and the teachers will get yeah. to the students. So we offer things like a, a, a semester, qu quarterly yoga. So we do yoga for just mental health, just amongst our staff, just to try to build just systems of just healthy living. Because if now if you are decompressed, our, our mission is like, our vision is, you will be more successful in the classroom. So we do that outside of the realms for a PD session. We also, I feel teachers need um, those who are outside the classroom to be empathetic and to really understand that, yo, it's tough to teach 120, 300 or whatever the amount of kids every day, right? And it's sometimes, you know, if a teacher have a bad period, like, hey, it happens, we're human. Right, and it's like, how do we get them to be vulnerable? And I think at that time, it's being vulnerable as a leader too, of saying like, we're not perfect. We we have good and bad days, and have that line of communication, and it opens up more trust, and it opens up the opportunity for a continuous improvement type of culture if you are vulnerable and if you are meeting the basic necessities. And I feel and really compensate your teachers, pay them, they are, especially the teachers that's going over and beyond. If you're a leader or if you're someone over a budget is, hey, even if they don't, because those teachers who are really, they're not going to come and ask you for anything. They're, not, they're going to do it just because that's what they love. And I think in the years before I became principal, I know it was, well, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. It's like, you know what? I'm going to pay you and I'm going to give you some money. And that is what we're going to do at my school and we're, we, we're going to compensate you for the time and we want you to continue to do that. So I think those are some things. Yeah. And I, th I think there's another level of that too. So at, for me, it's like those first, those basic needs, right? Compensating time, appreciating what they're doing, right? And then the other side of it is, you know, being transparent, having mm -hmm. an open line of communication, making sure that decisions are not coming from top down, making sure that we're working as a team and that everything we do, we're constructing, we're developing, and we're maintaining together, mm -hmm. you know, and recognizing, again, going back to, you know, you have so many experts in your building, right? And so being able to trust in them to also, you know, be able to be innovative, innovative share their ideas, their best practices, and give them mm -hmm. the opportunity to really take leadership within your building um, and to develop them so that they can you know if they strive to be one day also be leaders on mm. a campus as well so yeah. yeah and if I can throw in one last thing I'm sorry yeah. I think it's something very important I got feedback from my staff is really having a vision that is is simple for teachers to know where we're going like I think many a times as, as teachers and as when I was a teacher I I was teaching and it was qualitative. It was like, I felt at the end of the year, I felt like, you know, it was a good year. But I think like having something that's really tangible for students, for teachers to know, this is where we're going. Like this is a, having a primary metric. Uh, I think it really helps teachers uh, because we know for in secondary, you have science and you have histories, you have these one-off courses. And it's like, well, where, where are we going? Where are we going? I think ha helping with the mission and vision of any kind of goals is set. Uh, I think it's, it's really important to support teachers with as well.
Yeah. So what don't people know about the job of being a principal that, uh, that you wish they did know? Mm. <laughs> Everyone's got an opinion about education and school and what they need to do in these schools with these kids. Uh, but what don't people know about being a principal that, that they should know? It's actually it's amazing how much I realize people don't know about the position, right? It's a really complex position. Like even just when I'm talking to my sisters and I'm telling them, yeah, I got caught up because I had to meet with a contractor about a facilities project that we're doing. What, you do that? Or, um, oh yeah, I have, to, I have to wait because I have to um, make sure that I approve payroll. Like a principal does that? Or, you know, oh, I'm co-teaching today. Like people just assume that the principalship is almost a figurehead sometimes. <laughs> Aren't you just ruling from on high? Yes. Stamping things yes. approved? Yes, in yes. Your office? That's not the job? Yeah, but the job is really complex yeah. and uh, I wish uh, people would understand that um, we really do uh, work alongside everyone in the building and really are trying to uh, make sure that the vision comes alive um, and um, just that you know I know what drives me yeah. is our kids um, first and foremost and so the love I have for kids and for education I wish people really knew um, that that is what for me um, just defines what the principle is yeah, I mean, it's my second year as principal in the principalship, and it's so much, so much uh, from overseeing construction to payroll. Uh, also, be, being a teacher, I teach a class, I teach a, a leadership class, to putting out so many fires, to evaluations, to observations, to professional development, to planning, to community engagement to parent workshops to <laughs> to 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 uh all so so much it's so much uh, i think it's fascinating that you know i think it's fascinating that we that people are inquire about how much you know i think that's also just a respect of the position but it's so much and then being a public figure for the community uh, to be at community events on just to show face just to say hey the representation of the school is there it's 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 a it's a, it's a heavy load uh, for for uh, any individual to take upon but it's it's a lot and then the amount of emails you get from just oh, that can I just say emails I, I think that could just be it if you just say emails like if job. yeah That's once you job. like let yeah. Don't let it be like some Wi-Fi go off for an hour. It's, yeah. you know, so that that alone could be something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so what's the most fun thing about being a principal? What do you enjoy the most? You know, I'm in a I'm in a really unique spot. Uh, I'm the founding principal of a school from a community in which I've come from, uh, and to. I think that's anybody who's really sitting in a seat, or everybody I've come across, to just to have, that's like a dream come true, to open your own school, to have the uh, semester, to talk about the mission, the vision, and it's like on you. And this is a different type of position than a turnaround or a sustained position. It's like you're building from literally scratch. Uh, and it's, it's really, it's really awesome to just see things manifest from just the logo to now kid as ours at the U like doing what we put on paper now they're actually doing it. So like that's the most fun I've 
had in my entire career is seeing things manifest. You know, we, we offer a dual enrollment program. So lately I have 120 kids. It's only ninth and 10th grade this year and it would grow. But it's like, you know, as I can, I compare, I talk to my wife all the time, I compare it to you have your baby, you have your child and you see the first walk your video on it, you see the first talk your video. So that's like everything, all my kids are on, like, oh, I'm, I'm like, oh, oh wait, you're dressing up. Oh my gosh, you're getting ready for digital portfolio presentations. Oh my gosh, you're, you're doing the Firefighter Academy. So it's like, that is If you don't follow uh, the you on Facebook, there's always, yes. you, you will see Mr. Ra uh, yeah. and the kids and the firefighters and yes. everything. Uh, look, look them up on Yes, follow us on Facebook, uh, University Pathways, the U. So go ahead and do that. Yeah. I think, I think for me it's everything from, you know, like the major things, like being able to put medals on our honor award students or on our football team when they win the championship or, you know, all these amazing things that you get to celebrate with them, being able to announce on college decision day um, and most powerful, being able to shake their hand when they receive their diploma at the end of the school year. Um, to the to the small things like, you know, sometimes I get to dance on the quad with the kids <laughs> on Friday at lunchtime or play basketball during lunch on the blacktop with the kids um, or just see them light up when they finally get to perform what they've been practicing all year or present um, a, a finding that they had or even just when they discover things in science class in the middle of the lesson. I mean, there's just so many things fun points um, as a principal you get to you get to be the lead in so many things and you get to be um, the person that gets to be at every celebration and mm -hmm. um, every just uh, positive moment that happens on your campus and so um, I think there's just so many things that are extremely rewarding in the position mm. yeah mm -hmm. Well, uh, folks, unfortunately, we have we have come to the end of our conversation. I could I could probably talk to these two for for a week straight, but I, I really do want to thank our guests today, uh, Eamon Robb, thank you. principal thank at you. the U thank University you. Pathways Public Service Academy in Watts, and Susana Ansley Gutierrez, who's a proud principal of the Santee Education Complex. Go Falcons! Um, Go Falcons! <laughs> the, the largest and number one uh, choice for students uh, in South LA. Uh, so thank you both uh, thank for you. joining us. Thank you for having us. All right, Jeff, I see that you held it down without me. Um, you and those principals had a pretty good discussion there. I thought so. Yeah. It was yeah. nice we didn't have a teacher in the room ruining the yeah, conversation I mean, you know, and everything. Felt a little left out. I guess I'm not at that level yet to be in the room. Ah, uh, come on, distinguished. man. You, you know I would have been better with you there. We missed you. We missed yeah, you. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, all right, people. Now it's time for our class dismissed segment. We want to give a really, really sincere, heartfelt shout out. Jeff, talk to us. Yeah, uh, sincere and heartfelt uh, for sure. So today's uh, shout out goes to... Uh, really an incredible woman, someone I mentioned uh, a few episodes back when we talked about our origin stories mm -hmm. as someone who was a big inspiration for me to wanting to become an educator and wanting to become a principal. And that is the great Mary McBee, who's uh, still currently principal at St. Paul Central High School in my hometown of St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, she is finishing her 26th, that's Ooh. 20 with a six after it, 
uh, year as principal of Central. Uh, wow. She has been uh, uh, called on local TV, uh, the most well-known, most famous principal in the state of Minnesota. Wow. Uh, just a, a real dynamic character, someone who's given a, a lifetime, a career to, um, to the St. Paul public school system, someone who was uh, principal for me and my older siblings and um, you know certainly had an impact on my family and just a, a tremendous inspiration and so I want to say congratulations on a fantastic career uh, an amazing career over two decades in the principal's chair and someone who has uh, left a, a proud and powerful legacy so hats off to you Mary McBee. Wow over a quarter century in yeah. the principalship. It's crazy I can't even Man. imagine. <laughs> I can't Man. imagine. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. All right, people, that does it for this episode of All of the Above. Um, thank you for watching. And again, uh, be sure to hit our website, aothshow.com, to links to some of the stories mentioned and some of the studies mentioned, and also videos of all the past episodes and all the upcoming episodes. All right, so until next time, we'll see you.